Hey friends, it's Rachel. Before we begin this week's episode, we wanted to let you know that the topic we are covering this week does include the gruesome accounts of Holocaust survivors. They are very disturbing and emotional. You will actually hear Leah and I get pretty emotional at one point in the episode. So if these topics are really heavy for you, we wanted to give a trigger warning. The most disturbing and emotional incident we cover in this episode occurs shortly after our commercial break. So we just wanted to let you know ahead of time. Thank you so much for all of your support. Enjoy the show. This is Hashtag History episode 45. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. This week, we are bringing you a listener-requested episode. This topic was requested by our friend Leon from Germany. If that name sounds familiar, that is because Leon also helped us out by reviewing our Operation Paperclip episode way back in Season 2. Can you remember Season 2? What is what is Season 2? Uh... A million years ago is what season two was. Okay. Yeah. This week's topic has been on our list of future topics for a long, long time. But when Leon reached out on Instagram and said, hey, if you need any ideas for a future episode, how about covering... Jan Jim Jam Jim Jengen. Den Jan Juk. What she was trying to say was John Demian Yuk. Ah, yes. But it is spelled... Would Americanized pronunciation would be Dem Janjuk. <laughs> yeah, Dem Janjuk. Mm-hmm. However, it's Dem Yanyuk, and I'm going to do my very best to say it that way throughout this entire episode. But yes, so Leon reached out, said, how about covering John Dem Yanyuk? And that sealed the deal for me. So again, thank you so much to Leon for suggesting this topic because we are so excited to be covering it. If the name John Demyanyuk sounds familiar to any of you, it may be because you are also true crime junkies and have watched The Devil Next Door on Netflix. I've been meaning to ask you, have you watched it? I don't think I have, okay, so which is crazy. It is That is crazy, but I, I wanted to ask you, but I didn't want to ask you before recording this episode because I want you to watch it, Okay, but not yet. Uh, can I after this? Yeah, after this, oh, okay. you are... Freedom. 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 (laughs) Yeah. If you have not watched The Devil Next Door, I highly recommend watching it because it's super, super good. It's a five-part documentary, and it goes by really quickly. Or you can just listen to our podcast because we got you covered. Yeah. In 1975, the U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Service received a list of individuals living in the United States that were suspected of having supported Germany during the Second World War. One particular name on this list was that of John Demjanjuk, a 55-year-old naturalized U.S. citizen living in the suburbs of Seven Hills, Ohio, with his wife and kids, living a pretty standard life working as a mechanic at the local Ford automobile factory. He would be identified by Holocaust survivors in Israel that alleged that he was the notorious Ivan the Terrible that worked at the Treblinka extermination camp where hundreds of thousands of Jews were killed. (sighs) Demyanyuk would deny these accusations and would fight it in court for the remainder of his life. When he died in 2012, a final judgment on his appeal still hadn't been issued, meaning that to this day, Demyanyuk is technically on paper innocent. So, is this a case of one of the most horrific Nazis of all time being convicted for his crimes? Or is it an innocent man and a victim of mistaken identity? I'm thinking maybe a drink will help us sort it out. I agree. Yeah, sometimes we're smarter after we drink. Sometimes. (laughs) I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And this is Hashtag History. 
the podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike, where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. All right, the cocktail we are drinking tonight is called the Seven Hills Cocktail, obviously named after Seven Hills, Seven Ohio. Hills Ohio. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, it contains... I love that they have a cocktail named after them, the city. Well, hold on. Oh, okay, sorry. It contains <laughs> um, rye whiskey. I used a rye whiskey that my husband actually aged himself because he is a closet hipster. Oh. It might be very I, strong. When you opened it up, I noticed like a couple of your nostril hairs like fell out. It, they There was little smoke coming yeah. out of my nostril because <laughs> yeah. they actually burned. Yeah. Yeah. There's also elderflower liqueur and then Fernet Branca, or you can substitute with Campari and Angostura bitters. Which is what we did. Which is what we did because like all these little mixers that I'm only using in one drink, I'm just like, I can't justify spending $40 Never. on this. Never. Nope. So I always look for substitutes. Which are substitute Campari. Uh, I feel like I remember feeling that way. Season one, like, oh my God, this bottle is $25. But we've used it now as a substitute in so many drinks. Yeah, it is. It's part of that like liqueur family that's like very floral and mm-hmm. herbal. Mm-hmm. And so it. that's why and they gross. always... And gross. Uh-huh. So they all work for <laughs> each other. Yeah. So um, you shake all that stuff up you serve it chilled in a cocktail glass and then you garnish with an orange twist which (laughs) (laughs) that's also another one of those like would i waste an orange to literally for a peel nope we we ain't we ain't bougie like that we're trying to bring you realistic drinks yeah that you can make with disgusting things you have in your house (laughs) which is typically like on a saturday night the cocktail that i make is like i have some stale um soda yeah 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 yeah. um there's a squirt of lime juice left yeah and then i'm pretty sure we have whiskey somewhere right Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh yeah done all right this cocktail is apparently named after both san francisco and rome i don't really know i mean i guess like the hills of rome okay and maybe the hills of san francisco too so seven hills yeah that's very cool but it's tie to tonight's episode is as usual a bit more literal as we know and i think we will soon talk about (laughs) um this whole thing starts in a little town called seven hills ohio I thought it only right to drink a cocktail of the same name, mostly because I didn't want to drink a cocktail named after a war criminal. (laughs) I love it. Okay, cheers to the Seven Hills. Oh, God, my straw. The straw situation. Oh, your straw's so long. Thanks for giving me the bendy. Yeah. Oh, it's strong. It's it's very strong, but not bad. Right? You don't taste the Campari. It's just whiskey. No, maybe mine was all at the bottom. Hold on. It's very strong. Holy moly. I don't know how you uh, age whiskey or whatever he's doing. We have barrels. Are you serious? They're like tiny, but yeah. Like they're little tiny. Like they're. How do you do it? What do you do? They're like this big. What do you do? You get like not aged. It's like clear, just straight liquor from like a, a liquor store. From like Total Wine or BevMo. And it comes what, up- what, you just go in and get liquor? I mean, it's like 
non-aged whiskey, whiskey. or something uh-huh. and then you put it in your little barrel like a wine it's like a wine barrel but <coughs> tiny yeah <laughs> that's gonna be rough and i have to say demyon yuke how many times <laughs> but then you put it in there and the it's the wood like ages it and makes it taste more like that's the whiskey cool. we know so how long has it been that aged one then, this one that one i think was in for like three or four months i thought you were about to say three or four years oh like half no. of our relationship yeah it's <laughs> no like three or four months and then it's been in the bottle for a while that is cool that. that's fancy the first time he tried to do it i guess i don't know if he like didn't seal the barrel right or anything but literally all of the liquor just evaporated <laughs> oh that's a bummer is it expensive i mean how much ever liquor you're yeah, putting in a barrel yeah it's it's more expensive than just going and mm-hmm. buying a bottle of whiskey so oh my god that's pretty funny yeah. and you don't know till three four months later right? yeah you don't open the barrel no oh my god that's that's sad and funny <laughs> yeah that's very strong and and it's gonna make saying i'm gonna have difficult. to chug to be honest okay um i mean my chugging and your chugging is different because I, I can successfully chug? Correct. Okay. And I do like three <laughs> sips and then I'm like, ah. <laughs> well, okay. We'll see how far we get. With and then chugging. when we're done with that, tell me your rating. Brain freezing. <gasps> now, this episode is sad, um, but I wasn't expecting you to start crying already. Yeah. She, she's actually crying already. Yeah. <laughs> um, rating. I would. A one. One. <laughs> Uh-huh. Really? Uh-huh. That's your lowest rating ever. And I'm going to blame it on your husband. The aftertaste is fine. I should put an ice cube in my mouth because the aftertaste is not fine. All right. But anyway, so what's your rating then? Um, It was really strong. I think if I could do some sort of mixer with it or like put like club soda in there with 100%. it. 100%. Would make it like a uh-huh. six. Oh. But without that, it's probably like a three as always we need to rewind to set some context demyanyuk was born ivan demyanyuk on april 3rd 1920 in ukraine which was roughly around this time the soviet union we know in either 1940 or 1941 he was drafted into the soviet army but in 1942 he was captured by the germans where he was held in a prisoners of war camp and that's about all we can say for sure without dispute The rest of the story is about to get a whole lot muddier. I do recommend, Leah, that you um, clear up a whole space of the wall. Oh. Put pictures on the wall with, like, the strings. The strings. Like, attach it. You know, like an OG Mm. true crime show. When you post this episode to Instagram, can you post a... I'm going to send you a thing from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, a GIF of it. Okay. Where he is crazy and doing one of those string connection things. Shut up. <laughs> you said that whole last thing with your eyes closed. So that's why I knew. I was trying You're to like, envision it. But look at me. <laughs> okay. He immigrated to the United States with his wife and daughter following the Second World War. Demyanyuk filled out his immigration documents stating that he had worked at Sobibur during the World War, which is very close to Treblinka, the second worst death camp following Auschwitz. Demyanyuk became an official U.S. citizen, changed his name from Ivan to John, and began his life here in the U.S. We can actually check out a map here for where the death camps were in Poland during the war to get an idea of how close Treblinka and Sobibur were. 
<laughs> wait, what am I looking at? Uh, <laughs> wait, what am I looking at? A map of Poland. Oh, uh, you're looking at how close Treblinka and Sobibor are to each other. Yeah. So they're in Poland. They are not the closest things mm-hmm. to each other, but they're, I mean, Poland isn't the largest country by any means. Um, and they're, I mean, like, not even in a tiny little section of it. Yeah. So, technically, they're, like, 130-ish miles away from each other. What is that in kilometers? Um, It's 212 no, or something like no. that. I'm Actually, I'm fairly confident. No. Because I looked this up earlier. No. I'm fairly confident. You don't believe me? No, I do. You're just impressed. I'm me. just impressed. <laughs> I looked it up right before I came. <laughs> um. So all we know at this point, his visa that he filled out, his application to come to the United States, says he was in Sobibjör. Demyanyuk is living his most basic, most mediocre life in Ohio. That is until 1975. I feel like everyone in the 1970s Ohio was living a mediocre life. (laughs) Working at the Ford automobile company. I mean, yeah. Sorry. Change my mind. (laughs) me wrong (laughs) this part gets a little confusing and that's kind of the point in 1975 the u.s immigration and naturalization services received a list of 70 ukrainians living in the united states that were suspected of having worked with and for the germans during world war ii the ins narrowed this list down to nine people whom they further investigated so, where did this list come from in the first place? That I was can, my question. I can see it. Mm-hmm. How did the INS end up with it? This is all part of a grander conspiracy theory. We know for sure that this list of names came from the Soviets, but it's possible that it came directly from the KGB? What? Either way, we have many, many Americans that don't trust anything coming from Soviet Russia. They had a tendency to frame Ukrainians for war crimes. In the Netflix documentary about Demyanyuk that I talked about earlier, there's a historian that says that there were two groups of anti-Soviets in America at the time, Ukrainian Americans and Jewish Americans. And the KGB was doing all it could to drive a wedge between these two groups so that they would never actively oppose the KGB and Soviet Russia as a united force, but were rather fighting one another. I think this whole thing about the origin of the list is confusing, and it's meant to be, because if we can't confirm the source or we don't trust the source, what is the validity of the document? Mm -hmm. That's something to consider as we continue through this episode. But yes, so we have the INS looking into Demyanyuk. They're looking at his U.S. visa application, which documents that he was in Sobibjör from 1937 to 1943. To confirm this information, the INS sent pictures of all nine of the people they were investigating to the Israeli government to see if any survivors of the Holocaust recognized any of the faces. Following the World War, many Jewish survivors moved to Israel. So this was kind of like the hub of people that had survived the death camps. Interestingly, not a single person was able to identify Demyanyuk as having been at Sobibjör. But nine survivors from Treblinka claimed that not only did they recognize him as having been one of the death camp guards at Treblinka, they recognized him as the man that they all referred to as Ivan the Terrible, a name given to him for his particular brand of evil. We also have the sworn testimony of three guards confirming that Demyanyuk had served at a death camp during the war, but not at Treblinka. 
these three guards swore that he served alongside them at Sobibur. While this evidence all seems a little shaky, it was enough for the Department of Justice to claim that Demyanyuk had been the infamous Ivan the Terrible at the Treblinka death camp. They had Demyanyuk's U.S. citizenship revoked and began prepping for the trial of a war criminal. Because Demyanyuk's alleged crimes had not been committed on U.S. soil, nor had they been committed against Americans, he had to be deported to Israel to stand trial. Americans had two totally different responses to this whole thing. Like that's something new. Hello, 2020. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Where everyone has a different opinion about the elections. COVID. COVID. Wearing masks. Wearing masks. Distance learning. Uh, what else? We we can climate change. Uh, gas versus electric vehicles. Wildfires. Oh my gosh! How yeah. can we have different opinions about wildfires? But we do. We do. So yeah, people don't agree. In the late 1970s <laughs> and early 1980s, you had veterans of the war and American Jews that wanted absolutely nothing to do with a potential Nazi living in the U.S. They demanded that he get out and get out now. They found his house and held up signs outside protesting all day long. I'm surprised that's all they did, honestly. But then, because people are the worst, Mm. you also have Holocaust deniers. Mm. People Mm -hmm. that do not believe that the Holocaust ever happened. People that believe that Hitler only wanted to deport the Jewish population, not exterminate them. These people defended Demyanyuk and actually helped to raise millions for his defense. One such group of people that also supported Demyanyuk was the KKK. Of course. And here's where I have decided to end this podcast, actually. Like, not just Um, the episode, but the whole thing? The whole thing. I'm going to delete all of my social media accounts, and I'm going to live in a cave where I just read Jane Austen all day. I was thinking of rereading Pride and Prejudice. You should. And and literally not look at your phone for a week. What am I going to do with my life? I'm going to read Pride and Prejudice. The level of human assholery here is too much. Mm. Mm -hmm. If there can be any defense, and this is not in defense of the KKK, and this is not in defense of Holocaust deniers, this is in the defense of some other people that believed in Demyanyuk's innocence. If there can be any defense, remember how the U.S. government even received that list of names is suspect. Right. As is the fact that the eyewitness survivors say they saw him at one camp. Guards say they saw him at another. His official paperwork says something totally different. So for people to believe that there was some kind of grander conspiracy going on here, I'm not totally opposed to that. Because you're a conspiracy theorist. (laughs) I have learned in the last year since starting this podcast. (laughs) But f*** the KKK Mm -hmm. and Holocaust deniers, though. Yeah. Moving on. Okay. Demyanyi... Demyanyuk was deported to Israel. There's footage of when he arrived in Israel coming down the stairs from the airplane, and you can see him turn to the U.S. Marshal beside him and ask him if he could kiss the Holy Land. And the U.S. Marshal is like, uh, no. <laughs> so there's the question of whether this could have just been a PR stunt, showing him as, you know, very religious and nonviolent, or is this a genuine act, and did they strip him of the opportunity to do something that was important to him? The trial began in 1987 in the Jerusalem District Court and was held in front of three judges. This trial was a big deal for obvious reasons, but one of the reasons why this trial was so huge was because it was the first televised trial in Israeli history. Oh. People across the world could tune into this trial, and they did. Yeah. 
You have to understand the emotions at stake here. This trial was in 1987. There are survivors from the Holocaust around. Children that watched their entire families murdered in front of them. And if not a physical survivor of the Holocaust, you have trial spectators that grew up as the generation immediately following the Holocaust that heard about it daily, faced the consequences of it daily, watched their parents struggle daily because of the atrocities committed. It was a very vocal courtroom, too. People stood up and cheered. People stood up and screamed murderer at Demyanyuk. Ooh. So let's talk about the evidence presented at trial. Okay. First things first, uh, Leah, if you'd like to check out a side-by-side picture of the photo of the man known as Ivan the Terrible around the year 1943, and then a picture of Demyanyuk around the time of his trial. And just, I want to know what you think. I'm curious if you do think they look similar or not. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The only difference I can see, obviously he's aged a lot. Um, and when you guys see this picture on our Instagram, you'll see. Um, but the only thing that where I'm like, maybe it's not the same guy is there's two things, actually. His ear yeah. is lower and then also his eyebrows are lower, which it, when he was younger and higher when he's older. And I would think over time, your eyebrows would actually sag. I, I would agree with you that those are the two things, mostly the ear that like stands out to me is like, that does not look like the same ear, but otherwise, like, it is the same person, For right? sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I could see being the same person. Mouth is exactly the same. Nose is the same. Nose is, lines up perfectly. Head shape. Head shape. Yeah. 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 The picture that we have of Ivan the Terrible supposedly came from his SS card, which, Leah, you can actually, if you would like, pull up the picture of the card as well, because we are just about to discuss that in further detail as well. Okay. This identification card was the primary evidence that the prosecutors had to place Demyanyuk as a Nazi during the war. This card is from the Traniki camp, which was a training camp primarily for Soviet prisoners of war. You will recall that Demyanyuk was a member of the Soviet army before being captured by the Germans. The prosecution called a number of witnesses forward that testified to the authenticity of the document. The document has the name Ivan Demyanyuk on it. Mm. But let's look at the card more closely. You'll note on the card here that it does not anywhere place Demyanyuk at Treblinka, which is what this whole trial is in relation to. It actually places him at Sobibyor. Yeah. Yep. Additionally, check out. Okay. Here on the picture right there by his head. Do you see those two little dots? Yes. Any guesses as to what those dots are? Uh, measuring the length between his ear and chin? I don't know. Those, I know, that's such a random question. Those two dots on the side of his picture look like the marks left from a staple. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. When the defense investigated this document, they found that the flip side does not contain staple marks. So could this picture have been removed from some other document and then placed on this one to frame the guy? This leads to a grander conspiracy that the defense addressed. Again, looking closely at this SS identification card, the height listed here for Demyanyuk is totally inaccurate. The card places him at 5 feet 9 inches when he is, in actuality, 6 feet tall. Okay, I just want to say, like, people's driver's license lists their shit inaccurately because they just put down what you say yeah that's how i've gotten away with saying i, I weigh, weigh a lot 30 less than... pounds less than you actually weigh 
One trillion percent. Yeah. yeah. I've been the same weight since I was 16. Yeah. According to my driver's oh, license. Oh, yeah. 15 for me. <laughs> but yeah, no, you, you are correct about that. The defense contended, though, that this was all a KGB setup. To this day, there was no documentary proof that Demyanyuk was at Treblinka. But this is where things get really, really dicey, as if they weren't already. Right. Because apart from the SS identification card, which is questionable at best, the primary evidence that the prosecutors used to place Demyanyuk at Treblinka were the accounts of Holocaust survivors. Hey there, it's Leah. We are so excited to announce that today's episode is brought to you by Podcorn. We utilize Podcorn to source and generate the majority of the ads you hear during our episodes and are so excited to now call them a sponsor. Podcorn is a digital marketplace connecting podcasters like us to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and even mid-roll ad slots such as this one. With Podcorn, there is no middleman, which is fantastic. Podcasters of any size can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is there to support you during every step. They ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for every brand. So click the link in our show notes to check out Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities for your own podcast, or simply visit podcorn.com, that's P-O-D-C-O-R-N.com for more information. Because this was all filmed, you can go back and watch a video of the trial today, and it is absolutely heart-wrenching. Witnesses just sobbed on the stands. One particular witness told the story of being a prisoner at one of the death camps assigned to carrying the bodies of his family and friends from the gas chambers out to the pits. He told a story of seeing a young girl survive the gas chambers. And upon leaving the chamber, she said, Yachsi du Mamochi. This translates to, I want my mommy. It, that's so sad. It's really sad. This young girl was then taken to the pits and shot. Because of this traumatic experience, this particular witness said he saw Ivan the Terrible, the man that had operated the gas chambers at Treblinka, in his mind every single day, and he knew that Demyanyuk was Ivan. He testified that he had watched Ivan the Terrible forcing people into the gas chamber with a spear, stabbing pregnant women in the stomach. And he said, without a doubt in his mind, that the defendant sitting before him, John Demyanyuk, was indeed Ivan the Terrible. Demyanyuk had an Israeli defense attorney. This is a whole story in and of itself. And the Netflix documentary does a really good job, like, breaking this guy down. Everyone hated this guy because they considered him to be a traitor. Mm -hmm. How could an Israeli man defend an alleged Nazi? Yeah. Anyway, this attorney had the balls to stand up during the trial when one of the witnesses was crying and said, why do we need to hear this? We aren't suggesting that these people didn't really go through what they went through and that they didn't have these experiences with Ivan the Terrible. We are just saying that our client is not Ivan the Terrible. Do we really need to listen to this testimony? The judge ripped him apart. How dare he interrupt a Holocaust survivor's testimony? 
sit down and shut the f- up. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Unfortunately, though, the credibility of the witnesses was questioned because, I mean, let's be real. These witnesses are old. And they witnessed, the, like, they have trauma. Exactly. And there's proof that trauma, like, it f***s with your mind Ex- in different ways for exactly. everyone. But, yeah. The oldest witness that testified was nearly 90. And exactly what you just said, severe trauma can impact one's memory. We know that. While we never, ever, ever doubt the experiences of these Holocaust survivors, we know, again, that trauma can inhibit retention. For example, the oldest testifying witness, Gustav Borax, was asked during the trial by the defense about a trip he had made to Florida for his deposition. He asked him how exactly he had traveled to Florida, and Borax responded, by train. Yeah. So you took a train from Israel to Florida? This immediately weakened his credibility. Many believed him to be senile. Others, like the prosecutor, believed it was just a miscommunication. And he thought maybe that he'd been asked, you know, how he was transported to Treblinka. But Mm. taking advantage of this gap in memory, the defense then asked him to name his two children that had been killed during the Holocaust alongside his wife. And unfortunately, Borax could not remember the name of one of his children. It was awkward and embarrassing. I mean, that's... I know he probably felt awkward and embarrassing, but it's understandable. It's absolutely understandable. But because all of this was documented um, in video, you can watch it. And when I watched it, it was like, oh, it's so cringy. Him like, because they ask him like, what's tell. I think they were preying on him. They knew memory was compromised. Yeah. And you could tell like he was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't remember the name of my kid. Another survivor that testified during the trial was Elijo Rosenberg. Um, forgive me if that pronunciation is incorrect. I, I searched a lot because I want to be very respectful and say this name correctly. And I searched in a million and one places and like 80% of them said Elijo and the other one said something completely different. Cool. So mm. anyway, we're, he, from here forward, he's going to be Rosenberg anyway. Okay. Um, he, upon seeing Demyanyuk in person, told the court, I saw his eyes, his murderous eyes. He knew Demyanyuk was the man that killed his family. But shortly after the war in 1947, Rosenberg actually testified under oath that he and other inmates at the concentration camp had revolted and had actually killed the man they called Ivan the Terrible with shovels back in 1943. And there are other accounts of Treblinka that do mention that a guard named Ivan was killed in August of 1943. Huh. Rosenberg did end up admitting to making this statement under oath back in 1947, but basically said, like, imagine being me. Imagine being a Holocaust survivor and the amount of guilt and shame that I feel every day. We know that many of the survivors of the Holocaust face survivor's guilt, not understanding why they had lived when so many others had died. And so Rosenberg said this was one of those cases, one of those cases where he made up a story about killing a Nazi camp guard to make himself feel better that he had done something that he had fought back and yet another witness actually pointed to the wrong picture when presented with a number of pictures of possible nazi camp guards he did not point to demyanyuk but then came to the trial and testified that demyanyuk was 100 at triplinka and was 100 ivan the terrible mm. i mean they're they're elderly witnesses it's tough i have been through such horrific trauma it's tough yeah 
One of the biggest revelations of the trial came when Demyanyuk himself testified. In Israel, it is customary that the defendant testifies in the course of his trial. He repeated his story that he was not Ivan the Terrible, that he had never been to Treblinka, that he was a prisoner of war during World War II. But the big piece that came out during his testimony was the fact that he had a scar under his armpit from when he had removed a tattoo. A tattoo that only the Waffen SS had. A particular military branch of the Nazi party that was known for being particularly brutal. WTF. And it was always in that spot? Yes. Always, always in that spot. Demyanyuk claimed he was forced to get the tattoo and that he had removed it after the war so that he would not accidentally be identified as a member of the SS. It's also worth noting that Demyanyuk throughout the entire trial, even when listening to the testimony of the Holocaust survivors, never showed a single emotion, which we can't even get through this episode without having emotions. Yeah. He sat there blank faced the entire time. On April 18, 1988, the Jerusalem District Court found Demyanyuk guilty and sentenced him to hanging. From the cell he was placed in, in solitary confinement, he could hear the prison building the gallows that would hang him. Oof. Demyanyuk's family and legal team immediately went to work on filing an appeal. It's interesting timing because just as they are preparing to appeal to the Israeli Supreme Court the Soviet Union fell apart. Mm. And so now there are thousands upon thousands of KGB records previously unavailable that the defense could now use during the appeal, none of which placed Demyanyuk at Treblinka. In fact, it was revealed that perhaps this whole time, Evan Demyanyuk was being confused with Ivan Marchenko, a man that had worked as a camp guard at Treblinka. There are testimonies of nearly 40 former Treblinka guards that corroborated this theory. It was also found that the United States of Special Investigation did indeed know about Ivan Marchenko and had kept this evidence out of the trial. We can look at a picture here of Ivan Marchenko, Leah, and you will see that he and Demyanyu look nothing alike. Yeah, yeah. But he has those brows. Good point. He does have the brows. I When I look at this, I think they look absolutely nothing alike. I think that this man's name was Ivan Mar- Marchenko. And yeah, I mean, the fr- even from the picture that's obviously taken not that far separately, like that's a different person. Correct. And so is it possible that this was Ivan the Terrible? And the United States intentionally kept that information out, even though they knew about it going into the trial. Mm-hmm. This still isn't to say that Demyanyuk was not a Nazi. He had the tattoo. Guards were sometimes moved from one camp to another, so it's possible that that's why some of the eyewitnesses were a bit confused. There is evidence that he likely worked at the Sobibjord death camp, but all of this was too much reasonable doubt for the Israeli Supreme Court. They overturned Demyanyuk's conviction, but explicitly stated in their decision that if the Israeli government could get more solid evidence tying Demyanyuk to a death camp, he could be tried again for war crimes, i.e., Double jeopardy would not apply here. Demyanyuk returned to the United States and the U.S. government immediately went to work at proving instead that Demyanyuk had been at Sobibor during the war, not Treblinka. Hmm. And that's exactly what they spent their time doing over the next several years. The mistake the U.S. had made in the first trial was basing their evidence on eyewitness testimony and then using pretty shaky documentation to back it up. This time, they did the exact opposite. 
With the fall of the Soviet Union, the United States Office of Special Investigations combed through those Soviet records and officially found what they needed to place Demyanyuk at Sobibyor on March 25th, 1943, and then at the Flossenburg concentration camp on October 1st, 1943. This evidence was backed up by his Traniki identification card, which at this point had been proven to be a sound document by expert witnesses. Several historians were called in and were able to confidently state that the weird discrepancies on the card that had been brought up by the defense in the initial trial were all very typical of Traniki record keeping. They produced dozens of other cards to compare and prove this theory. And although after reviewing all of these newfound documents, there was not official evidence that Demyanyuk had officially killed anyone, working as a guard at a death camp is enough to charge someone with accessory to murder. In May of 2009, Demyanyuk... So fun, you wish you were on nine. Oh, yeah! In May of 2009, Demyanyuk was extradited to Germany, where he was indicted on nearly 30,000 counts of accessory to murder at Sobibjör. This is how many people were killed in the time that they were able to prove Demyanyuk worked there. For any true crime nerds, or really anyone that lives in the greater Sacramento area of California, like Leah and I do, you are familiar with the... Golden State Killer! I've been thinking about him this whole episode. This whole episode. The Golden State Killer, also known as the East Area Rapist, or the original Night Stalker, or the Visalia Ransacker, was a serial killer and rapist that killed at least 13 people and raped at least 50 all across California between the years of 1973 and 1986. Why do I bring this up? Why? Other than because the singular good thing to happen in the year 2020 was that Joseph D'Angelo, the Golden State Killer, was found guilty and sentenced to life. It is because... When I was researching this part of the Demyanyuk story, D'Angelo kept coming to mind. Because when Demyanyuk was extradited to Germany, he said he was too frail to stand for trial. Leah, check out this picture of Demyanyuk at the second trial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, he's literally in a <laughs> f***ing stretcher right now. Which, I mean, I'm you're going to talk about it, but like, it's literally D'Angelo being wheeled in in a wheelchair. That's exactly what it is. That picture is what Demyanyuk looked like for the year and a half long trial. Even (sighs) though the prosecution supplied video evidence showing Demyanyuk and his wife getting in a car after shopping just weeks before his extradition and he was getting around just fine. Of course. So it's exactly what you just said. This reminded me of the Golden State Killer because for anyone that's not familiar with the case, he literally looked like the Crypt Keeper, right? Yeah. Oh, he was, he was, he might as well have been dead. Like he, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he was on his deathbed and they wheeled him into that courtroom, but then there's video evidence of him like doing it was like pull-ups or like <laughs> right yeah. it was like he was standing on his desk to like reach no, for something he, he in was his cell. doing damn near gymnastics right so i, I see the parallels between Demyanyuk and d'angelo here. and the fact that i mean i i drew that parallel earlier like where you said he was just straight face he didn't there's no emotion when someone's saying yep. hi you murdered a girl in front of me like or even to say like a girl was murdered in front of me like, for me, my face goes, oh. Exactly. Like, my like face just goes, the emotion of not necessarily you're calling me out for doing it, but just hearing that someone had that experience makes you cry. Yeah. But he didn't. And yeah, exactly. You call, you saw parallels to the Golden State Killer, like, 
way early on in this episode. Yeah. And then as I was doing my research and got to the point where Dimyanyuk said he was like too frail to show up for trial, I'm like, that sounds eerily familiar. Yeah, that's crazy. So crazy. On May 12th, 2011, Dimyanyuk was found guilty and sentenced to five years in prison. Because he did not appear to be a flight risk, he was allowed release from jail while awaiting his appeal. But the following year, on March 12, 2012, at the age of 91, Demyanyuk died in a German nursing home. His family requested that his body be returned to the United States for burial. There was a lot of controversy with this. Many Americans feared that if people knew where his body was buried, it would become a site for neo-Nazi congregation. The government allowed for this, though, and we now know that he is buried at the Brooklyn Heights Cemetery in Parma, Ohio. Is that how you say it? Parma? Yeah. I don't know. How else could you say it? I- Perme. Perma. <laughs> because Tim, how else would you say it? <laughs> because Tim Yanyuk died before his appeal was heard, he is technically, according to German law, considered innocent. Any thoughts? Just ew. Just <laughs> that that's our next shirt. Just ew. After, like historically wow. Just, Just ew. ew. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag History. We will share the pictures that we discussed on the episode to our Instagram. And then all sources used to put together this episode can be found on our website at hashtag history-pod.com. Also, if this topic interested you, go check out that documentary on Netflix that I talked about. It's called The Devil Next Door. You're all quarantining. What else have you got going on? Yep. While you're Netflixing on the couch, not really watching the documentary because you're scrolling scrolling through your phone. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Right. Yeah. Do us a favor and subscribe to Hashtag History on whatever podcast platform you use. Share it with a fellow true crime friend and then give us a rate and review. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at Hashtag History underscore podcast. We do lots of cool stuff on there. We've been doing trivia nights during quarantine. We've been doing uh, giveaways. <laughs> Have we done a giveaway in a while? We should. We should. Anyways, we do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we, we post our stuff. cocktail pictures and ratings and recipes. That's and some of them have been pretty rough. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. <laughs> so. Thank you all so much. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Why did you say? Thank you. Thank you. If that name sounds familiar, oh my god. I know, I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's the wind. No, that must be Nico. Yeah, probably like threw that, something away. That the trash there, cans uh, I was like, why does it sound like someone's farting behind me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I locked you out. Oh, no. You can talk. We, we cut all this stuff out. We were just talking about farting. I just locked my husband outside. Oh, Nice. Whoopsies. I'm sorry. Love you. <laughs> oh, it was good. We remember we my, rated like a seven point five. It was like <sighs> like that. Literally, my stomach <laughs> just literal growling. No, me. that one was such a surprise that we gave it like trial. They. Let me do that again. He, not they. I was <laughs> just gonna let it slide. <laughs> The tomato. Oh, with the one we just Did you posted. see all the people commenting on they that? They were like, they're like, no. But people, like, uh, Tuck says he's going to try it. Because 
him he's like he's, it's gonna be good when he oh, does and, it and he's like um he's like what are the ingredients again so i tell him he's like oh yeah i of course have all those things at home other than tomatoes because he has he has elderflower liqueur campari gin he has those things at home and of course when he makes it it's gonna be delicious it's gonna and it's gonna be beautiful i i feel I'm, it already I'm, like this is I going am, to be okay I am, can i sh- i am drunk Right. At this current okay. moment, it'll be okay. gone in this five minutes, what, but I am me. drunk. Listen to me right now. This is what we're doing on Saturday. I'm dead <gasps> serious. Are you coming over before? This is... Okay. <laughs> Are you coming over before? <laughs> this is... Oh, yeah. I'm drunk, too. This is what we're doing on Saturday. Okay. okay. We're... This episode... I know. I, okay, but hold on. I, I, I hate I have, us. Like, future me hates... <laughs> hates us. Future me <laughs> hates us. When you have to put this together. Like, literally, when you're putting this together, like, those... Bitches, but look at okay. <laughs> roughly, roughly, <laughs> I've been practicing Demyanyuk a lot. I actually feel like Demyanyuk is the easiest thing to say. It's all the other words around it. See, it's reading it is hard, but if you just know Demyanyuk, yeah, I have it. Demyanyuk, Demyanyuk, Demyanyuk. But there are other words in here that are very difficult. Okay, so preparing myself for yeah. that. <laughs> preparing. <laughs> Alex, we watched. So you know, we watched Catfish a lot. So we were watching. Future I you hates it. us so much. Oh yeah, um, yeah I do. Future me, <laughs> she does. She, she does. She hates us. 